Hello, Greg Wyshynski, kicking off hour two of the show. How are you today? Well, I mean, it's all comparative. Uh, I have a head cold that I acquired when a man in the Dallas airport coughed on me. I know exactly where it came from. You sure that was the moment? Be careful on the. That was the moment. Really, really, I'm. I mean, in theory, it could have been some place, sometime else, but it was one of those moments when. You just knew it? You know, I've been wearing masks on planes and stuff because I didn't really didn't want to get COVIDed out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this guy sat down next to me while I was uh, working on my laptop, and he just starts, like, hawking, you know, his goo all over me. That's and great. I just, I just knew at that point what was happening. I'm like, I will definitely get sick because of this. And lo and behold, a few, a few days later, that's exactly what happened. Well, I feel bad for you. Um, but your run is done. If you're going to get sick, now's the time to do it where you can, uh, you can nurse yourself to health at home and not have to worry about air travel and airports and hotel rooms and, uh, crappy food on the road. Although I, I do know that you always search out. That's one thing I do know about you on the road. You more than anybody else search out good food and good beer. Yes. And, and it was to that end. It was a very, very good series for you, boy. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, where does where does this one Tampa rank? Bay. Where does it this ranks, one rank for you? It ranks rather highly. The key the key is like I'm trying to be I'm trying to be more sociable and eat with people rather than do what I usually do, which is like search out food and then eat it at my desk in the hotel room and watch Botchamania. Like that's oh, that's the thing that's I should do. Oh, that's awesome. It, it's great. great. I know, but it's not great. But um. You'll appreciate this. There's a there's a chain of, of sandwich places in the states that well, I discovered uh, a branch of it in in Denver. What's it called? It's called Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut. And yep. And it is a let me let me, let me try to put a fine point on it. The What's long up, sandwich is called a blunt. <laughs> oh hello! Is this speak to me? Sing to me, Greg Wyshynski. Hang on. So Chiba Hut. I went. I ordered a sandwich at like twelve thirty at night. After game four. Cannabis-themed restaurant. Wow. Uh-huh. Founded by Scott Founded by Scott Jennings. What? So, really? I ordered, a, I, I ordered a sandwich at 1230, um, and I went up to the <laughs> counter, and I'm just like, I'm like, hey, I'd like the sandwich. And, and the woman at the counter is like, okay, it'll be, it's going to be about 30 minutes. And the place was not that crowded. And then it occurred yeah. to me it's 30 minutes because there's literally somebody making your sandwich that's staring at the shredded lettuce, trying to figure out how long it would take for them to <laughs> reassemble the head while listening to the music and just zoning oh, out. Awesome. And I'm like, all right, I get it. It's it's a great gimmick. <laughs> it's a great gimmick. Oh, that's so fantastic. Have we gotten to the point? Because, listen, I haven't traveled with a uh, pack. It's funny you mentioned, you know, Chiba Hut. And what's, what's the long sandwich called? The Blunt? The Blunt, yeah. Have we gotten to the place now? And I know this may vary state to state, but in Canada, it's, you know, wide open. Um, have we gotten to the spot now with, and I'll just focus on hockey media, have we gotten to a spot now where people can casually smoke a joint together, much like they have a beer together, or is it still sort of taboo and only out behind the hotel room, or that behind the hotel fast, rather? That is a fascinating question, and one I did not think of until you you asked it. And the answer is no. The answer is I don't think still, we've gotten eh? to the point where you know I listen. I smoked cigars on the road with Mike Russo and Pete Blackburn. That was yeah, fine. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. But we did not smoke anything stronger than a cigar. 
And I, you're right. Like we, it, it, hockey writers will populate any bar they could find that's open late uh, in any city. But I don't think I, I, I've not personally experienced, nor have I seen anybody else like do the, like let's all grab a J and, and, and sit around a table kind of thing on the road. That's really interesting because it is legal in most. You know, it was legal in Denver, obviously, and yeah, legal in a lot of places. So that that hasn't. I will say this. I mean, like. There's open discussion about like gummies and things of that nature, kind of sure. Well, there's little helper kind of situations that are happening on the road, but there's but, not but you, that you know what I find? I find a lot of that is sort of couched in, oh, it's just to help me sleep. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, but there's not been that celebration of social harmony that you'd expect with the, the legalization of, of of weed in the U.S. and Canada, where we're all sitting yeah. around, you know passing it around it's not that's not happened that's a very good question it's weird because there's like there's plenty of you know people in media that i've burned with together um you being one of them and like but nobody nobody like really talks about it no one really comes out openly and i'm not going to say who it is because for whatever reason they want to remain anonymous and they don't want to actually discuss it but i've always wondered about that like i'm not on the road as much as i used to be before uh, amongst hockey media, but even, you know, traveling in Canada for, for hockey. And, you know, I'm not, I don't know. I, I just, I just find it weird that here we are in 2022 and weed is still shrouded in shh more than anything else in, in, in hockey circles. It still very much is. And I, and I think it's, you know, uh, I, I do wonder if there's a certain demonization of it from, from some generations that it's just not for them or, I don't know. It's it's a really good question because now that you mention it, there's no reason why it hasn't evolved. But then again, here's yeah. here's an interesting here's the other point though though, dude. Like one of the reasons why covering the playoffs this year was so glorious is because it was a family reunion. I hadn't seen many of the writers from Canada in quite a long time. Yeah, and so everybody got along really swimmingly on the road. It, it could get kind of soap opera or high schooly sometimes when you, you see the same people over and over again. Uh, on uh, you know in the arena and away from the arena it wasn't like that this time to the point where like at 4 30 in the morning we were all at hat tricks the hockey bar in tampa and it was mm-hmm. like the end of cannonball run where like all of the teams <laughs> from the various cars get together for the big leg beer celebration at the end you've got dom de awesome. over here you've got like you know uh... dean martin over here in this case it was like here i am there's lebron there's elliot there's mark messier it was it was like a different vibe but my point of this is that the legalization of of marijuana has really kind of like hit hyperspeed over the last maybe two and a half years right at the time when we weren't traveling a lot um you know as a collective hockey media so i wonder if we have some catching up to do because a lot of this stuff happened when we didn't really see each other um so maybe that's part of it too Hockey media, let's go. Pick it up. Next season, no excuses. <laughs> let's go. Uh, what did you uh, What did you make of the final? Like, like to me, this was like we're always interested, and in, we get in the reveals from Colorado and the reveals from Tampa, and we all look at, you know, who should have been an extra in the thriller video based on their injuries and what they looked like by the end. <laughs> um, what were your some of your biggest takeaways from this uh, the Stanley Cup final? That it didn't disappoint. That we so rarely get a best on best final. It's usually like one great team and then like a team punching above its weight. And in this case, as, as Kale McCarr famously said before the series, it's a team trying to, you know, cement the dynasty versus a time, a, a team trying to build, a, build a, a legacy. And 
it was awesome to watch. I mean, it was really, really awesome to watch. The first two games did not inspire much hope that we were going to get a great series. And then we ended up getting a great series because the Lightning adjusted and did their thing and and figured out stuff. And, and also, like, were very, very confident in their own kung fu, even when things weren't going well in the first two games. They were always just saying, look, our starts are terrible. We can't get to our game because of our starts being terrible. If we mm-hmm. can get if we can get a better start, we're gonna it's gonna be a much more competitive series. And they were completely right. Um, the right team won, and and now we see what comes of it. Like we see whether this core in and of itself is good enough to win multiple cups, and we see whether the front office in and of itself is good enough to figure out ways to color around that core because they've got fourteen guys under contract for next year and and a lot of decisions to make. Do you um see I I I always like it when the defending Stanley Cup champion is in the final. To me, you know, it's uh you're either going to get, you know, the the dynasty talk because the team's going to repeat or you're going to get the symbolic passing of the torch from right. one to the other. And there's there like there's we talked about this last time. There's no Cinderella story here this year. Cinderella story is nice every now and then. I don't want it every single season. And this year we didn't get it, didn't have to entertain it. Normally in hockey, by the time the fourth round rolls around, we've discussed this, there is nothing but fumes. And that is the history of this game. Go look at, you know, the the Islanders and the Canucks. You know, look at the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Montreal Canadiens. Like when there's a Cinderella team, by the time you get to the final, man, you're, you're, you're coasting. But we had two giants this time. Did this feel like this was Tampa, you know, in a in an act of symbolism, handing it to Colorado here? Like I, I still, I think Colorado's got that base to rip off a few, and I know they got a yeah. lot of decisions to make here. But they got a base to rip off a couple, at least a couple of cups here. Wish. So I'm of two minds on that. I, I do think that there is a certain amount of Edmonton Oilers, New York Islanders, 1984 happening here, where. One team that has taken particular inspiration from the other, and by that I mean the avalanche to the lightning, finally breaks through and wins. Those Oilers teams were extraordinarily referential to those Islanders teams insofar as understanding what it took to win the cup, um, both in in personnel and in quality of play and sacrifice and everything else. And if you talk to the avalanche from Joe Sackick down, they all wanted to emulate the lightning it's one of the reasons they didn't blow up their team because they were looking at the lightning and saying well they didn't and look what they were able to accomplish um mm. so from that aspect i do think that there was a torch passing however <laughs> i think there's a chance that for one more year the lightning could snatch the torch back and say not quite yet we're gonna we're gonna hold on to this for one more time i could see that 100 i could totally could see yeah. that there, I mean, I understand the, th- the theory that, like, okay, by next year, they will have played way too much hockey and what have you. But if you look at that team and you look at their cap and you look at the core, I think they've got one more run in them. I, I completely agree with what Steven Stamkos and John Cooper said, which is that this is a loss. It doesn't mean that the dynasty has crumbled. Um, it may crumble after next year when they have to make some some cap decisions. But for and, and they and they do have a couple you know cap decisions to make this year too, especially with Palat being a UFA. But I could see him making one more run with this group. I really could. It is exceedingly rare, though. And again, just because it hasn't happened in history doesn't mean that it can't happen. Um, but it is exceedingly rare for a team to win the Stanley Cup and then go on you know a, a number of seasons where they don't. 
uh, where, they, where, they, where they don't win the cup and then come back and do it. Like, I know that in the salary cap era, we had the Chicago Blackhawks, who win in 2010. They go a couple of seasons. They're back in 13. They're back in 15. And, and that does happen. Um, you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, after they won in 2009, didn't rip off another couple of cups until 16, 17. So it does happen. All I'm saying, well, the Kings in 12 and 14, when you have the run that the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning have had, I don't know if there's any point here that I want to make wish other than, man, it's really hard to do. Man, that's that's yeah. that's a that's a really, really tough thing to do. It is, but we've already seen this team exceed expectations insofar as like no team had gotten past the second round in their attempt at a three peat since the Islanders did it. Mm-hmm. And so like they've got a knack for this. <laughs> they've got a knack for logically you shouldn't be here and then lo and behold they're there and again like it it has very much to do with with their culture it has very much to do with their front office and and the genius of julian brisebois and the analytics department in finding players that fit under their cap and fit their system and it has everything to do with this team being for the most part when healthy an absolute assassin in the playoffs when given the opportunity i just think that in this case the injuries were maybe in the end insurmountable against a team that was playing at its peak powers, but they'll heal up and they'll come back. And I think uh, there's every chance they're going to finish in the top three in their division. And then we're going to do this again next year. So I I know when you love, I I know that you love when we do hockey as wrestling booking talk. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a scenario here. Okay. Yeah. So if you were booking, the Tampa Bay Lightning for next season. So Elliot and I had this conversation about which Tampa Bay Lightning team shows up next season. Because what we've seen the last couple of years is Tampa kind of have this, you know what, we're not going to blow our brains out all season long. We're just going to get in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and then we're going to do our damage. If you're booking this thing, like if you're booking the Tampa Bay Lightning next season, much like if you're booking a wrestler like Brock Lesnar, for example, isn't the story that, you know, Lester loses at Mania and comes back mad and goes through everybody to get his heat back? If you're Tampa, are you feeling or are you looking to get your heat back right away and start the season by trying to destroy teams? Not unlike what we saw with the, the <laughs> Florida Panthers this year. Or do we have the more the, the chilled out, mature, hey, we're Tampa. Uh, we know how to pace ourselves. 82 games is long. We're not going to knock ourselves out. We're going to do our damage in the playoffs. Or do we get Hulk smash Tampa Bay Lightning to start off the season next year? No, you get the, you get the we're exhausted. <laughs> we're exhausted. And we know that we're really good. And we know that Vasilevsky is going to be good enough to propel us into a playoff spot. And then we'll go from there. Like that's what that's what I think you get. I mean, I I yeah. don't see it any other way. And and there's no reason why they shouldn't. I mean, they have proof of concept now. They won three series on the road. Like they never had home ice in yeah. any of these series. And you could say that that maybe maybe cost them in the final round against Colorado, where they go on the road into a very very tough place to win, and you know they they lose their wits in the first two games of the series and and, and take L's, but. I mean, I think this team knows that all they have to do is get in and, and, and then go from there. And and so I don't think they're going to be a steamroller. Um, 
I think they're going to be a, a good hockey team that makes the playoffs and then go from there. Let me get back to Colorado here. What did you learn about Nathan McKinnon along <laughs> along the way here? Well, I wrote a story about Nathan after the final that uh, published on the ESPN.com, and it has been as controversial and conversation starting as I hoped it would be, um, which is a very like in, inside look at his leadership abilities. Uh, in the past, I think you could probably call them tyrannical and, and not be all that far off uh, in the way that he would yell at players and the way that he would get in their faces and the way he would you know, run practices and, and demand excellence. I mean, there, there's stuff in that story about him, you know, body shaming teammates and things of that nature. And so it, I hope that would stir a conversation about what he's been. And uh, what I think has been lost, though, in that piece was sort of like what he's become. You know, Jared Bednar talked about the fact that after the loss to the, to the, to the Golden Knights, Nate kind of modulated it a little bit. You know, he was a little bit more relaxed, not only behind the scenes with teammates, but but himself. And I do think that we're going to see even more of that now that they won. But we're not going to see any less of a drive to succeed. It's just not in him. And and I think, you know, I, I talked to Ian Cole for the story. Ian Cole made the comparison to Tom Brady, where Brady can be a tyrant behind the scenes. He can demand a lot from his teammates. He can be the, the straw that stirs the drink, the, the, the driver of the bus, all that cliche. Yeah. Um, but in the end, he also has the insatiable need to succeed and that winning in the playoffs is life or death. And that's what Nate is essentially in his core. So I think that we're going to see, hell, we might see him smile a little bit more now <laughs> that he's won the what? cup. But I don't think we're <laughs> going to see any, any regression in how this, how badly he wants to win, and I think that's one of the reasons why I have full faith that they're going to win again. Yeah. See, I always wonder about those guys and what retirement is going to be like for them. <laughs> right. Like, it, it's there. There are some players that you know by the end they've just had it with hockey. Like, oh, okay, enough. Uh, I'm sticking it in the garage. I'm not going to be a, a, a ringer on any beer league team. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not playing hockey for a while. Maybe I'll do some charity events, but that's about it. There are some guys that are just so done with it. And then there are some that retirement's really hard for because your body says no, but your brain is still saying compete, 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 compete. And that's got to be a really frustrating place too where you know the, the, the game is done for you. Um, and maybe that's why uh, I always come back to the Peter Forsberg example, who just like tried to find like the magic boot so he could finally just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing because there was that drive to stay competitive. And you may be in the back of Peter Forsberg's mind. He knew that retirement was going to be hard because how do you compete taking the garbage out on a, on a Wednesday morning and, you know, do things <laughs> that, you know, the rest of us normals do. I always wonder like, <laughs> Could you when and and I've watched McKinnon going back to I didn't watch him play before Halifax, but I watched him tons playing with the Mooseheads. Like he's been like this from for as long as I can remember, and I always wonder like, what's retirement going to be like for this guy if the competitive juices don't ever die? What happens? Because this guy, like every single fiber of his body, is all about competing. Compete, 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 compete. You know what I'm getting at, Wish? Yeah, I do. And and so in the case of in, of a couple of athletes that were like that, they became general managers. His, his own guy and Iserman. 
right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's anything he wants to do, but I mean, that's one way to feed the beast a little bit insofar as staying in the game and, and trying to uh, add more rings to the collection. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think, listen, he's 26, right? Oh, I'm getting way and, ahead of myself here. Of course. We all yeah, know that. Yeah, but as I was saying, like, like, by the time he's 38, I mean, life is going to look a little different for this guy than it does now. And, and that competitive fire burns and burns and burns and burns and burns, and it may still burn at 38, but maybe a, a, little, a little less so, hmm. you know? So I was having a conversation with someone this morning, and the name Jacob Chikrin came up. And then okay. we started talking about other players of interest leading into the draft next week in Montreal. Kevin Fiala, we've talked about plenty. Frege tweeted about him this morning. Uh, there is the forever, the seemingly forever conversation about JT Miller in Vancouver, which has fueled its own mini industry in British Columbia. The what to do with <laughs> JT Miller is, which is which is in, intriguing in, in its own right. Uh, who are the guys you're most intrigued by, and do you have a thought on either of these players that I just mentioned? Well, in Chikrin's case, I still think he goes to the Kings. I just think that that fit really makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels for what they need, for what he needs, for who the general manager is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons why I think that's a fit. Um, and also because they, you know, the the Kings for me are, are one of the more fascinating teams of the, of the offseason in the sense that, like, you kind of feel like they're at that point when they flipped Wayne Simmons and Jack Johnson for like Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, right? Like they, they're at that point where they kind of know what they have in some of these kids. They're very much a team on the rise. They know that there's going to be a window for contention opening for them and they could get aggressive. And so I wonder if that doesn't manifest in someone like chicken joining their blue line. Um, you know, here's the thing with Fiala, man. I gotta be honest with you. Like I like Fiala a lot. I, I still, I still wonder ultimately what that guy is, and in, in insofar as like being a postseason performer. I look at the Devils, and I know what they need. They need someone to play with Jack, who's a big body that can be aggressive, that could be, you know, a power forward on his line, protect him a little bit, but also like, you know, do the dirty things in order to create goals. And so, does that ultimately become Fiala for him? Does Fiala play with Heischer? If the I was going to say team, we're 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 all kind of you know marrying Heischer to 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 Fiala for the the uh, the Swiss Association, the passport. Yeah, but like and Jack then needs that th- player more. And <laughs> then, you throw, then you throw then you throw in Jonas Siegenthaler as well, and like, hang on a second here, what's becoming of these New Jersey Devils, Greg Wachinski? <laughs> this is Team Switzerland <laughs> here. What's from, going on, sir? We went from uh, neutral zone <laughs> trap to just neutral. Um, so that's the line of the show. Stop the show, everybody. Show's <laughs> over. We've gone from neutral zone trap to neutral. <laughs> I've talked about on the show before how I want them to flip Great the line. second for Kachuk. Like that's that's to me the the ultimate move for the Devils to flip the second the second overall for Kachuk and sign him long term. Yeah. That'd be the move that I'd make. Oh, Calgary still has their window. I don't think they want to do that. Uh, but there's some painful decisions. Of course they don't, unless, unless they know he's there. not coming back. Unless unless they know he's not coming back after this win- well, if RSA just, window. If he just says I'm taking my QO and then I'm piecing out, then yeah, then Brad for living's got to make some tough decisions. But that's a uh, ooh, that does would he, be though, a juicy one. I was talking with somebody this morning, and, and they made the point of like they kind of held on to Gaudreau and Kachuk this season, 
knowing that Goudreau could leave because they believe that they had a window to win. So who's to say they won't, even if they know ultimately what the fates decide for Kachuk is that he he's going to leave. Who's to say they don't keep him around for another year? Uh, they very well could, but then you run the risk of losing him for absolutely nothing unless you pull the trigger at the deadline. This is true. And you're gonna you're, and you're gonna get more trading him in the uh, b- before the season begins. Then you're gonna get a trade. In theory, deadline. yes. But if you, I mean, y- your coach is Daryl Sutter. You have a veteran team. You still believe your window could be open. You're gonna use the the Gaudreau money for something, right? Mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that they feel like they're gonna take another crack at it with Kachuk. Then before he leaves, is uh, what's more intriguing to you the uh, the Johnny Gaudreau conversation or the Philip Forsberg conversation? Oh, these are two Johnny teams Gaudreau that held on held on to held on to the pending UFAs. Gaudreau more so than Forsberg. Oh, absolutely! Like he, so like, how many times have we seen a franchise, franchise, franchise level player hit UFA status? Uh, Tavares. Chara. Uh, Brad Richards, peak of his powers. Chara. Is that it? It's In not very last, often. like, decade or two? Yeah, so I am fascinated to see what ultimately he decides to do. Like, he could ultimately decide to uh, stick around. I doubt it, but, you know, maybe he does. Um, he could decide to go to a contender. He could decide to go to a place like Seattle where they're, they're building something, um, which is a nice place to live. I don't know. I'm 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 thoroughly invested in finding out what he's got on his mind because I don't necessarily believe it's geographically motivated, where he's going to end up with either the Flyers or the Devils. Um, but it could be geographically motivated that he ends up in the states. I won't I won't say that's not a possibility. Mm-hmm. I always wonder about players and how much people think about legacy in one market and with one organization and how much you want to, you know, own all the record books and go down as the greatest blank of all time. In this case, you know, Johnny Gaudreau taking a shot at going down as the best Calgary flame of all time. And I guess that, that probably varies from player to player. And if the money is going to be the money, how much of a motivating factor is that, if any? And I guess the right answer is probably, well, it depends on the player. Right, it depends on the player. It depends on how he feels about the organization, and we don't know. We don't even know for sure if that is a motivating factor for him. It could be, it could not be. Like, I don't know. I, I think of those two that he is clearly the one that is the most fascinating because he is the one that could go someplace and our jaws drop. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine just spitballing here. Malkin, Malkin, Latang, Walk, and Goudreau becomes a penguin. Could you imagine that? Rejoins Berkey in in, in, in Pittsburgh. Wow, Ricky brings from the Pennstown. Um, uh, it would be a wild one, considering there are a lot of people that believe he would be going to the Philadelphia Flyers, and this would be the reverse Yager. <laughs> remember, remember, remember that ten minutes when everyone thought he was going back to Pittsburgh, and then he went across the state instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ooh, that was a tough one. There's a there's a ton of possibilities and and there's ones that we probably haven't even heard of yet because they're they're kept on the down low. I, I think he's by far the most fascinating guy in the in the off season for me at least. Do you have a uh, I have to do it? Do you have a thought on JT Miller? It's hard to get a handle on on JT Miller because I'm not quite sure what the cost should be for JT Miller. Um, but I know where the fits are for JT Miller. I think the Devils are a good fit. 
for the kind of north south game that he plays i mm-hmm. i you know sign me up for the rangers reunion for miller i think that'd be a good spot for him too let me turn your attention to a team that i i can't quite figure out okay I thought, gonna Col- I, thought, I thought you're gonna mention i thought you're gonna mention uh colorado by the way for jt miller yeah colorado, colorado yeah if, i mean if, obviously if if cap space if that they have and, and the needs the needs that i have um carolina can you figure out the hurricanes for me uh no, although I think a lot of us would look at this year and say they got starched in the playoffs because of goaltending injuries. Yeah, I mean, could have used a couple more goals too. They right? could have used some more goals. Absolutely. I look at that team as the team, the next team that's on the cusp. I look at that team as the team that has been slowly learning through losing. Uh, the team that has multitudes of talent, a team that believes in its culture, and a team that is just missing something intrinsic in the playoffs when it comes to creating you know, again, Can I be blunt? You know what that thing is? What? Andre Svechnikov should be a 35 to 40 goal scorer every single season in this league. He has right. all that skill, size, all of it. To me, this is Svechnikov needs to be the guy that we think Svechnikov can be and is compensated for. How about that? Yeah, for seven and a half, Svechnikov with that skill set should score between thirty-five and forty every year, and be one of the if best I told you, in the game. If I told you two years ago that the um, that the 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 Hurricanes would be left wanting for someone to make a big offensive play in in the playoffs, you'd be like, "Why was Svechnikov hurt? <laughs> like, like they, <laughs> he should be that guy." I could, dude. Yeah. You and I are of the same. Again, put the verses in there. You and I are of the same mind on that. Like, there's. He's not that guy for them yet, although he should be there on that level. And so it complicates things because there are players in that roster that should be there. He's not. Um, there are others that I don't think have manifested the way they wanted to as well. Um, so the question that becomes like, do they go outside of the organization to find a little bit of, of help to that end? And uh, will their ownership allow them to find some of those solutions from a monetary standpoint. You and I are thinking the exact same thing, Wish. Yeah. Season three of the offer sheet. Let's go, Carolina. Aho, <laughs> Kotkaniemi, and now door number three. Let's go, Donnie Waddell. Right? <laughs> oh, dude, they don't I, care. Listen, I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. But they are, like, on the cusp they're so yeah. good in so many different places. And as you said, healthy goal today next year. Let's go. But they still are lacking something. And I'm not quite sure. Again, like if you could clone Justin Williams, right? Yeah. Clone uh clone Bruins era Mark Recchi. Like the or that listen, type no, of guy. Go, go back to two go back to two thousand six and clone uh Corey Stillman. Yeah, playoff playoff Corey Stillman in 2006. Put playoff Corey Stillman 2006 on this year's edition of the Carolina Hurricanes, and how different is it? Where do you think Palat goes? By the way, I still think push comes to shove. Julian Brisebois does something to keep him. I can't say the same thing about Nick Paul. I wonder about you know if will Jan Ruda flatten out his cap hit for term, but I still think at the end of all of it. That they first of all, he's their guy. 
seventh round pick, went through the whole system, you know, uh, American Hockey League into NHL, um, has played up and down the lineup. We can all remember the triplets and we can all remember the Stanley Cup. So we can all remember how versatile this guy has been up until about five minutes ago when Tampa bowed out. I think it's hard to let those guys go. I really, really, I understand that he's 31 years old. I get it. I know you get, get scared of term because of aging curves, but he's your guy. I still think at the end, when push comes to shove, Booty's Bois does something to keep Andre Palat. <clears throat> what do you think? You, well, I think there's a, there's an opposite side of that equation, which is what Palat wants to do. And you know he's going to have an agent saying, you idiot, <laughs> this is your time to shine. <laughs> Let's go. But it could be a situation where he looks at the lightning and says, actually, I can't quit I you, think babe. our window remains open next season. I want to be on this team again. I want to stay with my brothers and the only coach I've known as a professional athlete and do this mm. one more time. And that can manifest in, in a number of different ways contractually. It doesn't necessarily mean a six-year term. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, a, a, a large cap hit. It could be anything for him next year. If he believes that in the team, and if he believes that his earning potential will remain after next season. Yeah. Listen, on that, uh, on that, I got to hit a break. Uh, wish tomorrow is the last show of the season here. Wow. So this is the, I know, right? So uh, tomorrow will be the last one. So this is our last MVSW for a while, pal. This has been a blast. To do oh, again. it's been the best. Yeah, it, it's been my favorite thing that's happened uh, to me um, maybe this season is getting to ch- the chance to talk to you again every Wednesday. And, and also, as we've often mentioned, getting a chance to hear from so many of our friends uh, yeah. that listen to the podcast religiously through the years. And so it's been in- incredible to be able to do this, and I look forward to doing it again. And to everyone out, the old MVSW uh, listeners, we will always try to try to find a way to do this again. Wish you the best, man. Yeah. Stay weird, everybody. Thanks. You be good. Yes, yeah, stay weird. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN.